HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to HRN on Tour at Charleston Wine and Food 2022. This is the last segment of our three-day pop-up live from the Culinary Village. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of Heritage Radio Network, here with my lovely co-host, Dylan Hoyer. Hello. Thanks for being on, Dylan. So happy to be here. What a wild three days it's been. I want to like slow the clock down because I'm like, no, a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more because this has been, it's flying by. We have an incredibly special guest who you may remember from previous HRN on tour experiences. Three years, two years, two years ago, yeah. The most amazing restaurateur of many talents. I'm not even going to try to we're going to get to the bio stuff, but like people know you. This man is incredible. Steve Palmer, <laughs> thank you so thank much for you. being on. Thank you. Steve of Indigo Road Restaurant Group, also of Ben's Friends. We're going to talk about all these things. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited What's, to bring it home. What a what a three days. It's really been four days for, for us. Yeah. 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 And you've had events at your restaurants. You've been Every running day. all over town. Yeah. Your chefs are out there at all these outdoor things. Right. Can you give us like a snapshot of what y'all have been sure. doing? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we love the festival. And, and, and I mean, I've served in some capacity on the board for nine years. Um, so we just love it. And, and I think the fun for us, and you've heard this from other the fun for the local chefs is getting to invite the out-of-town chefs to come cook with them because they get the fanboy and fangirl and you know and and that really is the, that to me are the special moments when you get to meet your heroes in the other cities so yeah we we were a part of opening night um we had a signature dinner at indaco brasserie la Banque, maya king's tide oku uh, we did a brunch yesterday with Maya, so a pizza party with Indaco as well. So all the things, yeah. um, lots of fun. We, lots of guest chefs from around the country. Amazing. So it's just a great time. It's great to see everybody back, yeah. um, and it's good to see everybody back and and somewhat relaxed about being back. Yeah, you know, you'd like the the anxiety and the fear is starting to dissipate, and we're all sort of like it's okay to want to be together again. And so it's really been a great festival. 
It's Tell amazing. We got, sorry, Dylan, we got a snapshot of how many places you have, right, in that, just to know how many events you were involved in. But I want to say a huge thank you to Indigo Road for supporting our activation Always. in Charleston. Always. Tell us about the group a little bit and how, how many restaurants do you have in Charleston and sure. further afield. Sure. So, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, I often call myself the accidental entrepreneur because um, I started in 2009 in the financial crisis because I got laid off. And I always say I couldn't find a job, so I started a company. Um, I never intended for it to be what it is. We, we're uh, predominantly in the southeast, uh, six states, um, 27 restaurants, three hotels, which is wild. And it all started from Oak Steakhouse here in town that's 17 years old. Um, I was not a steakhouse guy, and I took over a restaurant in the middle of the crisis, the financial crisis. Um, but you know, our story is about our people, and 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 it's growing a restaurant group. I think the single biggest thing you get the opportunity to do is to create more opportunity for your teams. And you know, our industry. There's been a lot of talk about pay and compensation and a lot of those things, and that to me is what we're able to sort of offer people. Hey, if you want a path, if you want a career, yeah. you don't have to go anywhere. Um, but yeah, we're kind of all over. We have uh, eight restaurants here. Um, and we just opened Brasserie Le Banc, which is our classic French Baltazari pastis feeling uh, brasserie downtown in Charleston. It's in a building I got married in two and a half years ago. So it's, so it's 60 seats. It's tiny. It's a yeah. tiny little place. Uh, but it's been great. Yeah. You, you always seem remarkably zen for a guy who has this much going on. <laughs> it's all a ruse. We're gonna it's get all to a that. ruse. Yeah. <laughs> You're so relaced. Um, and you're wearing your Brasserie Le Banc hat. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I'm just like constantly in awe. And um, yeah, it's not been that long since you started doing this. No, honestly. it's been 12 years. I'd love to know what those conversations about labor and equity have looked like in your restaurant group and how, how you are able to offer people a career. Yeah, um, it's, it's fluid always. Because you know what we've learned is um, someone will say to us, I don't feel supported, right? And we're going, wow, we feel like we're supporting you. So what does support look like? And so, you know, when we start talking about fair and equitable, that has a different meaning for a lot of people. Um, uh, for example, I, I walked through a restaurant five years ago and I overheard a server saying, well, my mortgage would be the same as my rent. I just am having a hard time coming up with the down payment. So I, well, why don't we give them the down payment? So we started a home loan buying program and we will give you your down payment. We make nothing on it. Uh, it's a three-year loan at 0% interest. So we just ask that you pay it back so we can loan it to somebody else. Uh, and we've helped 18 employees buy homes. So, you know, those are the kind of things that a group can do that a one, one rough, you know, they just don't have those resources. So we're, we, we offer free mental health counseling to any, all 1,000 of our employees for free. Um, you know, uh, education, if you're going to go to school for culinary or hospitality management, we'll reimburse you. Um, so those are the kinds of things, obviously competitive pay, certainly competitive pay. Um, we've started profit sharing. Uh, we haven't done it across, but we're starting it in layers. What does that process look like? Um, it is a quarterly 
event where based on what's going on in the company, you receive a check. Um, we've made three people partners in specific. So when people are just really in on one restaurant, we make them partners. So we are, I feel like we're always asking ourselves, how can we make this more meaningful for our employees? And it sounds like listening is such a core piece of that to like the industry conversations and to the, your staff. Yeah, it is about listening. Cause again, support or opportunity, it looks different. You, you can't, I feel like there's danger when we make blanket statements because it really is one size fits one. Go talk to that person and listen. Um, because I always say, listen, when we talk about communication, listening is, should be at least 50% of that, if not more, True. you know, <laughs> uh, well, let's shift gears a little bit. So, uh, if you've been tuning in all afternoon, you heard a little bit earlier from Mickey Bax. Uh, so you got a little bit of an introduction to Ben's friends, but if you're just joining us, um, Steve is one of the founders of Ben's Friends. Can you give us the quick um, background mm -hmm. about the story of Ben's Friends, sure. and then we'll talk more about how that yeah. connects today. So Ben Murray was a, a chef for us. Um, I had known Ben since 1995. Ben was opening a restaurant in Florence, South Carolina, and we had put him up in a hotel. And I hadn't seen Ben in a lot of years, and Ben walked in. I never saw Ben take a drink. I never saw Ben, the words depressed, like you would absolutely not associate this person with depression. Uh, and sadly, Ben committed suicide in the hotel he was in. And, you know, it was only when I got on the phone with his 80-year-old mom that the story, he's been in detox six times. He can't seem to get it. And the real sad thing for me was on opening night of that restaurant, there were four sober chefs in the restaurant with Ben that if Ben would have just said, hey, I'm struggling and I don't know how, we would have done anything to help him. Um, and so I was so struck with the stereotypes of our industry, the macho kitchen culture, toxic male mas you know, masculinity, all of those th things that prevents people from being real, right? Um, and so ben, Mickey and I said, well, let's just start a group. And honestly, we thought it would be a little Charleston thing. Let's start a weekly group run by sober restaurant people for sober restaurant people. Um, and then right, not too long after that, Anthony Bourdain's suicide. And it felt like overnight mental health was like, we, we got to talk about this. So we're now in 15 cities. Uh, we just launched San Francisco. Wow. And um, we have 21 Zoom meetings a week at bensfriendshope.com. We have women's meetings, we have men's meetings, we have late night meetings, we have um, we, <laughs> we have Ben's Friends Femmes, which we had, Mickey and I had nothing to do with, <laughs> um, which I love. We, we um, are, our female members in Portland and Seattle started a subgroup where they, during COVID, they were really craving connections. So they found some state parks and went and, and camped together and then would zoom in. And we're like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Portland and Seattle, y'all are together. What? And um, it, 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 it is um, it's the most important thing I'll ever do. And, and, and I, you know, been sober 20 years that to watch somebody come in that doesn't have hope and there's just dark energy around them and to see them 
a year, two years, three years, and they have hope. There's light in their eyes. There's just nothing, nothing that I'm ever gonna. There's no a restaurant I'll ever open that will be as important as the work we're doing at Ben's Friends. And you know, Mickey retired from the restaurant industry, so he's been able to focus full time. Uh, so I'm super grateful for that. And it's been a tough couple years. Um, obviously, you, you've said that you're meeting now over Zoom. You're having lots of flexible options for people. But it seems like it must be more critical now and in the past two years than ever before for all of the pressures, not to mention the um, uh, instability of the, the what was happening with people's jobs, like not necessarily right. having a steady stream of income. like coupling that on with substance use and, and having a struggle there. I, I can only imagine the, the necessity of Ben's friends. It's been great. We, we have people from London zoom in, people from Canada, like people that have never been to a Ben's friends meeting. And I, I always say that um, early recovery, especially isolation is the enemy. And so when COVID hit, we were like, man, and you know, the happy surprise is a lot of people have gotten sober on Zoom, which when I was drinking, a pandemic would have been a great excuse to just, you know, dive off into the end of a bottle and that people are taking this time to like evaluate themselves and say, I, where am I in this world and, and where am I in relationship to alcohol? Um, it's been so inspirational to watch people People I, that I feel like I know, but I've never physically. There's so many of us that we like see each other every day on Zoom. Um, but now more than ever, we need each other. Um, you know, we, we sadly live in a very divisive world. And I think that hospitality is a great connector. And the thing about addiction is it, it is unrelenting and it does not discriminate. It does not care where you're from, where, where it, you know, addiction wants to kill you. And when you have that disease, and it is a disease, um, it's something you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. And so being in community with like-minded people, there's nothing more powerful. Are there any steps that you took to create a feeling of intimacy and community when you did switch to being virtual? You know, I think it kind of, it happened without, it just kind of happened organically. Um, and again, these little subgroups that started happening that were not by design, they were just naturally like, hey, let's, let's do a women's meeting, let's do a, um, and that I think is, you know, I always say the happy accident of, we know that the restaurant business is already a subculture, right? We work nights, weekends, and holidays. I always say we're the, we're the island of misfit toys. We're a little broken, but we're super lovable. And you know, um, what we know is when somebody logs on or when somebody walks in, they may not know a soul in the room, but they know that's a line cook, that's a dishwasher, these are my people, and they feel safe. And that's, I don't think you can design that. That just kind of... It's instant. It, yeah, it just is. Um, and there's no, you know, you can come to a Ben's Friends meeting, there's no pressure to talk, there's no requirements to join, um, but you know you're in a room with your people, and, and I think there's safety in that. And in terms of starting new chapters and new groups, what does that, like, local outreach look like, and how can someone in a city where there's not yet a chapter get involved? Email us. We want to hear from you. <laughs> um, we want to be in every city in America, and, and that's our goal. Um, 
Obviously, COVID has slowed down the, the pace. We did just open in San Francisco. Um, obviously, you know, COVID cases, safety measures are still kind of depends on where you are in the world. Um, but come to bensfriendshope.com. We would love to, to hear from you. Um, we just, a guest chef that we didn't even know was sober, one of our guest chefs is like, well, I'm sober. I'm in Philadelphia. I want to start a Ben's Friend. So that's kind of how it happens. And Amazing. so we're like, yes, how about next week? <laughs> you know? And then we reach out We reach out to like the restaurant organization, the restaurant association in that city, the media, to just say, hey, would you be willing to write an article just so the awareness gets out? So I, I want to talk a little bit about how the sobriety culture is evolving in Charleston and um, particularly like with respect to the festival obviously we're at a wine and food festival people are imbibing quite a lot around us we're at the end of the day on Sunday day (laughs) day three so everyone has been uh, you know having their own own version of fun here whatever that means but there's a lot more that's inclusive for people who aren't necessarily drinking the wine Um, but yeah what does the culture feel like to you and what's what's the heartbeat right now you know, I'll tell you, early, early, um, early sobriety was lonely, right? 20 years ago, we were, we were not having these conversations. And um, to see our industry kind of embrace everyone and, and for there to be spiritless drink. I mean, look at the spiritless beverage industry as a whole and you see like, kind of where that at where everybody is followed and I think it started from restaurants having non-alcoholic drinks on their cocktail menu right I mean and so for for me now I can walk into a restaurant and say hey I'm a sober person and there is zero hesitation from the server or awkward they're like oh cool well we've got this great lit you know and 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 I just you know speaking as a sober person to feel that inclusiveness and, and not from a, like, like oh, feel sorry for us, we can't drink, but just all, when, when you go through something like the process of getting sober, you don't want special attention, you just want to feel included, It right? would be nice to have something on the menu. Right, and you, you don't want to feel excluded because <laughs> right. you made what you perceive as a good choice for yourself, right? Right, right. Um, So I love that our industry, the openness around sobriety now is, it's just so much easier. Um, you know, and 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 I, I mean, I mean, there are bars opening that are spiritless bars. I'm not sure. I'm always like, are you sure that's going to work? I mean, I love it, but uh, so it's going to be great to continue to see this this whole mindset grow. But um, I just love it, and it and it feels like we're welcome back at a table that maybe 20 years ago it was a little awkward. Do you have any shout outs to give or any like restaurants that you love their non-alcoholic beverage menu, any brands that you're enjoying, any at home creations so that you made? So Spiritless is really good. Um, Seedlip, which is 100%. Spiritless is 0.5%. So that's more for like the wellness, sober, curious. Um, Seedlip is amazing. Uh, and it's 100% alcohol free. Uh, I had a cocktail at opening night that was delicious. Um, that's probably my favorite. I just bought at home unspiked. So huh. and and they're little cans. So this was um, I had blood orange and hibiscus. 
So I just, and it's not super sweet, which is nice, right? A little tart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are the brands I, I literally have been crushing the un, the case of Unspiked that came this week. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you're also, I mean, you have your hands in so many things, but you're somebody who has been a major shaping force of the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. So I want to ask what it means to you to be sitting here with the waterfront breeze coming on to us know, in North right? Charleston. Um, what is what does the location change represent for you? you know, it's. I think it's a shift in kind of our city in general. This area, Park Circle, the Navy Yard, is in the middle of a massive redevelopment, um, and the city's growing. and it, And it's it's great to see us branch out. Um, Jillian and the crew have done such a great job, and and this festival, when I first came on the board, was about to go out of business because it wasn't sustainable and it's a nonprofit, but it was not sustainable. It was losing money and it just was not. And Jillian has spent the last seven, eight years really curating the content, bringing people to the table that needed to be at the table. Um, and I think it's great. I, I just, I can't wait to see what the next, I think this is like my, I, I don't even know how many this is like the 15th festival i've done so oh. it's great you know it's it's great um and every, every year it's it's really about the people oh, i'll ask you the same question i asked jillian a few minutes ago which is if you could bottle up a feeling or a thought from being at this festival back together in 2022 for steve in five years what would you bottle up right now um you know that's pretty easy for me so we have a we have a saying in our company that everyone is welcome at our table and, and I continue to believe in the world that we live in right now, which feels at times like we're, we've never been more far apart, um, that, that when you sit at a table and break bread with people, you can find a common, you can find something in common. You don't have to believe everything that they believe and that doesn't make them your enemy. What I love about thoughtful festivals like this one you're bringing so many different people together to share different points of view. So there's an education to it and there's, um, there's a connectivity to it that I, um, this year in particular, I think not being able to meet, like everybody's just so happy to be together. Um, and I hope we can hang on to that because that's why I got in the restaurant business because I love taking care of people. Um, and I, I hope that hospitality continues to represent that sort of safe space where everybody's welcome. Well, thank you for being here together with us. And sure. That Thanks joy for to having us. me. Close it. Close it and bring it yeah, in. You, know? you might have heard over the last speaker that's bringing us home. Yeah. It's a wrap. I love that. <laughs> great, great uh, to see y'all, and thank you. We love what you do. We love what you do too. Thank you so much for everything, Steve. We're so happy to have you. It's sure. so amazing to get to sit down together. Yeah. And. Um, Thank you to everybody who has been part of our coverage this weekend. It's just been absolutely amazing to be back in action, back in the field, and uh, giving hugs and high fives cool. and smiles to people again. So and Hopefully we'll see you here next year, I hope. I sure hope so, yeah. and I hope we see you before too long. Yes. And uh, always come visit us in New York, please. We owe you some pizza. Okay. And, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, and best of luck as you close out the weekend. Cool. Thank you. So this has been HRN's live coverage of Charleston Wine and Food Festival. 
I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm Dylan Hoyer. And we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's made this possible this weekend, the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, also to Hickory Nut Gap Farm, to Indigo Road Restaurant Group, to Ben's Friends, which, as you heard, is an addiction and substance abuse support group for members of the food and beverage industry. And you can listen to all of our coverage on our podcast, Heritage Radio Network, on tour. Find it on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you also to all of you who became members this weekend. We really appreciate it. It's not too late to join. You can sign up at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.